Hello and welcome back to GI Live. In this session, we're talking about the career, hopes and views of the person in charge of one of the most powerful and influential games companies on the planet. It is the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, Jim Ryan. Hello, Jim. Hey, Chris. Nice to see you. Nice, it's nice to see you in person. Yes, it's been a while. It's been, it's been, we were talking about how long it's been, but I don't really want to talk about that because it's been, been a while. Um, and I was talking about, I was actually, before this, I was trying to think about the pandemic, really, and all the things that's happened in the last 18 months. And I know it's been challenging for everybody. And it's been, for PlayStation, there's been some delays and there's, you know, manufacturing issues, all this sort of thing that you've had to deal with. But when I look at what you've achieved, um, the games you released, Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, Spider-Man, Ratchet and Clank, Returnal. You've acquired a load of businesses. You've bought some game studios. And then the PS5 has got off to a huge start. You must be feeling pretty happy. Yeah, it's um, it, it's been quite a ride uh, the last 18 months. Um, we closed the offices in, in, in March 2020, like everybody. Um, and then I flew back. But my, my kind of lifestyle has been quite unusual. Um, and, and it feels like I've... Uh, I, I'm spending most of my life working in the dark. I, I get up and I start very, very early in the morning, crossover with Japan, uh, and then I break, and then I start again for crossover with the States. So it, it, it almost, uh, I don't get to see that much daylight uh, a lot of the time. So that's, that's been weird. Um, wow. but, um, you know, really, really proud and happy with what the team has, has managed to achieve over that period. And you, you, you listed it out. I mean, the great, um, great games. Uh, in in 2020 with uh, Ghost of Tsushima and uh, Last of Us Part Two, uh, and then obviously the launch, um, and uh, that was um, that was quite something to do that from uh, a dining room table in Highgate, in North London. <laughs> it was yeah. uh, a fairly unusual experience, and not one I care to repeat. But it was quite a blast uh, going through it. Yeah, I, I've never known a console launch like it. It, it was it was. You know, launching the PlayStation Five without actually being able to hands on with it, and then and then people, the demand was there. People came out for it, didn't they? It was, it's been great. Yeah, you touched on the difficulties of of making the machine, and in, in, in a pandemic, it's obviously um, extremely challenging. But uh, I'm so so happy and so proud that we've managed to um, to get to 10 million uh, sold through faster than we've ever done it before. And I, and I think. You know, there's there's tons of demand out there, but to actually be able to build the machines, get them over from China, get them into the stores and sold through, it's been uh, it's been quite a heroic effort. One of the things that I I really liked, we we talked about this before, but the play at home stuff that you did when the pandemic hit, a couple of games to sort of keep your fans entertained, I guess, while they were locked down, and then that's kept going, and you've met, you've done more and more and more, and I didn't realise it was still going. Yeah, we did two waves. We, we, you know, it struck us, um, as everybody was struggling with the first lockdown, we thought, oh, this would be, be a nice thing to do. We were able to do it and very, uh, very happy with the, with the reaction. And then we kind of got through, got through Christmas and, and started lockdown again and everybody was, it was a bit kind of miserable. Um, and, and we thought, uh, this would be just a nice thing to reprise. Uh, and we, we did it again, uh, spread over a period of, of, of actually a number of months. Uh, and actually now 60 million games have been downloaded as part of that. Wow. Uh, that activity and we're just just so happy to be able to do that for our community oh wow is it is it done now are we, are we... well it depends if covid's done <laughs> um i think we'll just see it's one of those things we'll um we'll see how how the world evolves and uh if if lockdown uh heaven forbid if that should continue into 2022 and beyond who knows i mean we we, we might feel we have to do it again for the community mm. we'll, we'll just wait and see 
Well, I'll leave the present for a moment because I actually wanted to talk about your career because I looked this up beforehand. There isn't that much information out there, really. I know that you've been at PlayStation since the beginning. And well, what, what, were you, what did you do back then? So I was hired in 1994, the year before the launch of the, the first PlayStation. And my assignment was, was to set up the, the PlayStation companies in continental Europe. So we had maybe... Um, we had maybe 20 people in this in this building in, in, in London focused on the UK, but we had absolutely nothing in Europe. So I had to, uh, my task was to go out, it was to find offices, it was to hire people, put systems and processes in place, you, you know, get sales forces, uh, organized distribution. And it started with Germany, and then it was France, Italy, Spain, Switzerland, Austria, Scandinavia. So it was a really um, tasking and challenging, but ultimately very fulfilling couple of years doing that. Yeah, that must have been great. What, what do you remember from that time? I think, do you read, do you read somewhere that you were actually delivered? Taking the furniture into the office? Yeah, I took a lease on an office in Frankfurt and uh, we realized that there weren't any desks or chairs in there. <laughs> so uh, there, there wasn't much money lying around so at that, that, that time because we, we hadn't sold anything, so there was no cash. So we ended up going down to Ikea uh, and buying the desks. And, and, and after that, um, trying to work out whether we had enough money to have somebody to pay somebody to assemble them or whether we were going to have to do that <laughs> ourselves. Uh, and actually, happily, um, given my skills as a handyman, we, we've, we found the cash to have somebody assemble them. Mm. And uh, you know, those desks served as well for a number of years, actually. I was quite proud of those desks. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I recommend it to anybody. So do you remember the first time you played PlayStation? Yes. Uh, the first game, uh, and um, you may or not remember this game, was actually Jumping Flash. I, ah. which was a platformer from our Japan studio. Um, and uh, I, I, I was kind of amazed and delighted at uh, this thing sort of platforming, oh, working wow. in 3D. Um, I, I, if, you, if you remember Jumping Flash, I'm impressed with you. I remember, I, don't, I, didn't, I never played it, I just remember the... Uh, yeah, it was one of the launch titles. Uh, it oh, was, wow. uh, so no, that was the first one. What did you go on to do from there then? So you set up all the European offices, was it that sort of it? Well, we did that, and that was obviously pretty all-consuming for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, I, I ran the finance function um, for the European organization. The business was really regional in those days. You know, There was yeah. a, uh, a kind of fully uh, self-contained European business, fully self-contained American business, and a fully self-contained Japanese business. And I, I ran finance for Europe. Um, and then kind of went through the, um, the PS1 cycle, and then we got to PS2, um, which uh, was a different experience. Yeah, well, I bet it was. I was going <laughs> to. Well, PS One was obviously very successful anyway, but the PlayStation Two is the bit most successful platform all time. It's ended up been it ended up been the most successful. But what people actually forget is that in in Europe it was really difficult at the start. Um, it was you know we're talking about two thousand ninety nine two thousand. And uh, European economies were in a mess, and there was no euro. So you, you know we had uh, two hundred and ninety nine pounds. We had eight hundred Deutschmarks. We had two thousand oh. one hundred French francs, uh, two uh, thousand pesetas, forty thousand lira. All all of this. So it was it was really messy and really difficult. Uh, and the U.S. was going well, and Japan was going well, but we couldn't sell anything in Europe. Um, and and we, we actually, the, the leadership of which I was part, uh, was summoned over to Tokyo to, to sit with Ken Kuraragi, the, 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 the father of PlayStation. Yeah. Um, uh, and Ken uh, is uh, a, a sort of very imposing uh, figure, mm. uh, sort of personally, but also at, at an industry level. And Ken sat us down and he just said, um, please change your inefficient business. 
Um, and and uh, so we can, yeah, yeah, Ken, that's uh, that's that's great advice. We'll, uh, we'll we'll go ahead and we'll do that. And uh, so we returned, and we obviously um, we we resolved to do better. And uh, you know, the rest is history because Europe actually ended up the um, uh, the, the lead territory with, yeah. with PS2. Um, and one of the things I'm proud about there is that we um, we kind of pushed the envelope. You, you know, we 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 opened up. Um, markets that had never had any sort of gaming culture ever. You know, the Middle East, uh, people had never played video games before PlayStation in the Middle East. Russia, uh, tiny gaming industry before PlayStation. Um, Spain, very, very small uh, gaming industry before PlayStation. And, and so we, we, we kind of um, really pushed the envelope geographically. Um, and then also one of the things that we concluded was trying to uh, broaden the audience. And we had uh, the social gaming phenomenon of SingStar and Buzz, which, which really uh, kind of shifted the demographic to, to places, again, that, uh, that, that, that we'd never been to before. And I don't think gaming had ever been to. Before. No, no. And then it, and that's continued with the Wii and the DS. And then it's, and then it's sort of moved into, I guess, mobile and smartphones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and from there it went. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The, um, I was going to ask you, you gave me a great anecdote there. I was going to ask you about if there's any, what do you think the key moments were in the sort of, in those 27 years you've been at PlayStation? And or I guess from a, not, I think a lot of us know what the key moments for PlayStation were, but maybe the key moments for you were, I guess that moment with. That, yeah, that was, that was pretty formative yeah. and pretty character forming, uh, yeah. actually. I, I think, you know, I'd, um, I'd have to go back to the PS4 launch. Uh, we, we'd, um, We'd obviously struggled our way through PS3, which uh, had a number of well-documented challenges, and I think we were, were all kind of weary and exhausted. And I, I, I think the big moment was E3 in 2013, where uh, I, I don't know if you were there or not, I but was it, there. it was uh, it, that, that was a big moment, and we we just kind of thought, wow, you know, you know we can do this, uh, and maybe PlayStation is back. So that was one, and then the other one would obviously be the uh, the PS5 launch last year, and and a sort of odd, um, almost surreal uh, series of events for for all sorts of reasons. You know, you know as I say, doing uh, doing this launch from the dining room table in uh, in North yeah. London with colleagues, most of my colleagues uh, on the west coast of America, uh, many thousands of miles and eight hours away, and and yeah. the the other colleagues in Japan. The same number of thousands of miles away, but in the opposite direction and opposite time zones. So I, I learned an awful lot from that. Yeah. How to run a global company is the, uh... it's interesting because you sort of, you were setting up offices, you went to finance and then you became head of Europe, PlayStation Europe. I remember that very well. And now you're in charge of the whole business. You've, you've gone from being sort of behind the scenes to being quite public facing. How have you found that transition? That was a while ago now, but. Yeah, I, it, um, you, you know, I'm actually naturally quite a shy person, uh, and uh, I, I am fairly introverted. So, um, public speaking is, is something that has never come naturally to me. Um, but, but after a while, you know, you you, you make you, you forge relationships with people like you. I mean, we've seen each other a number of times. Uh, always really enjoy that, and um, it's uh, it, it's it's actually quite a fun part of the job now. Yeah, I, I remember I. Remember, you sat next to me very briefly before your first Gamescom uh, uh, performance. <laughs> you seemed a bit nervous. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'd been because Andrew House had been running Europe. Yeah. Uh, and then he was promoted back to go and run PlayStation, then based out of yeah. Tokyo. And I was kind of given that Gamescom with about two weeks' notice. Oh, no. um, so uh, I, w I was a little bit nervous. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but um, y y y you know, this one of the, one of the weird things though about the the PS5 launch was that the the equivalent events were all done digitally. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, so, so I did it, uh, I, th I think, probably in this room, um, two or three weeks uh, before the launch, and then actually watched the launch event uh, on TV at home uh, with, with my family, which was of many surreal events uh, last year. That was probably the, the most surreal of the lot. You know, I did an awards event last week. Something similar happened. It's nice to have done the work and be able to relax. Be able to relax when you're about to do something big is... is yeah, it is. Um, but when you've got your children kind of laughing at you uh, on, the, on the screen, that, 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 that's kind of sobering. Well, I'd be interested to know your answer to this because... Um, I suspect everyone has a different answer, but somebody who's been at PlayStation for 27, 27 years, or I think, it's, I think that's right. In your mind, what is it? What is PlayStation? I mean, what do you think it represents? What makes it different? How would you describe it to someone? Um, you, you, you know, I was, um, I always bring us back to, um, back to three things. And obviously the most important is the games. Um, and, uh, we, we, we can get into that. Uh, but the second, and I think this is, um, this is a phenomenon that kind of grows now with each year that passes, is this sense of community that, that, that people um, who enjoy PlayStation are able to uh, participate in. Uh, and then third, our brand. Uh, PlayStation um, has always been cool. Um, and I think one of the things that uh, I, I enjoy most about these formative uh, formative. Uh, months of PlayStation 5 is that we're still right at the cutting edge of what something that people really want to be associated with. And I think that's great. I was going to ask then, what do you think makes the PS5 cool, I guess, is the, uh, is the word used? It is, first of all, the games, and you have to come back to that. Uh, I said this at the time, and I stand by it. The launch lineup of games was the best we've ever had, and I'd submit probably the best that any console platform has ever had at launch. Um, I think the work that we've done uh, we've done since then with uh, with Returnal and with Ratchet and Clank, and actually the, MLB the Show for the States, which is uh, which, which is a fine game, um, and the pipeline of games that we have coming is just fantastic. It's it's by far the strongest uh, that we've ever had for any of our consoles, and I can't wait to to see these games starting to drop one after the other. Horizon, God of War, GT7. I think that is ultimately what defines us. What are your games then? What are your I guess recent favourites. My recent, but Ratchet and Clank. I I I love the game, um, and and I think as a um, something that that defines what PlayStation Five um, is capable of doing, it's the first great example. Um, and and there's going to be many more that come uh, come over you, you know months and years to come. But that that you can look at that and say, wow, you could never do that on any other console. Mm. I, I'm a big Ratchet and Clank fan myself, actually. Yeah, um, it's, it's a beautiful game. And, you know, so great to have uh, Insomniac now part of our family. Uh, yeah. And th th those guys have been knocking it out of the park, yeah. uh, and they've been busy. Yeah, they have. And they've got a couple more you announced the other day. Yes, well. yes, uh, so yes. That's quite exciting. Well, I guess the question now is, what next? But I predict in the future, particularly in this industry, can be a fool's game, I think. Um, you know, there's lots of talk about streaming and, and cloud not streaming and subscriptions uh, vr and metaverses and all sorts but what developments that are going on at the moment are exciting you the most when you stand back i i think one of the um the the thing that really excites me the most is that gaming is becoming more ubiquitous um and it it, it that ubiquity increases uh, with every year, with each generation of consoles, you, you, you can see it. The gaming is appealing to an older demographic. Mm -hmm. um, it's appealing to a younger demographic. 
Um, gender parity increases with every year that passes. Um, the, the depth of engagement uh, of, of that community increases. And, you know, the geographic level, the number of people in markets that have never, uh, never had any sort of gaming culture uh, are, are, are starting to be able to access, uh, access gaming. And I think that, um, that phenomenon is so exciting in terms of what it means um, for people who make games in terms of uh, a massively expanding audience. And, and I, I sort of stand back and, and this you know, may, ha may have quite some time span attached to it, but I see, um, I see no reason why gaming shouldn't be as ubiquitous as music, movies or, or, or TV shows. Mm -hmm. and, and if you think about that, the implications of that for, for the people who make games and the people who play games are, are, are potentially really amazing and really powerful. Does anything need to happen to accelerate that expansion, do you think, to re help reach new people? Or is it just naturally happening? I, I think it's largely will happen organically. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, the people like you who, who started off um, with PlayStation 1 in the 1990s age... I don't, don't know what it was. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> uh, but you know, people, people who, um, people who were maybe 18 in 1995, those people are now in their, in their mid to late 40s. Yeah. Um, and, and so many of them, so many of them are still with us. And that will continue. Those people are, are going to carry on playing games, uh, mm -hmm. different sorts of games, different, different play patterns. But, you, you know, so that, the passage of time is going to organically assist that ubiquity. And one of the things that I like about what we're doing is that we appear to be resonating extremely well with a very young audience at the same time, uh, which, which is one of the, one of the reasons um, that, that I, I am really positive about PlayStation 5. But it's, this isn't just a PlayStation phenomenon. It's, a, yeah. it's, a, it, it's, it's an entertainment phenomenon. I also think technology will, will help. Um, and I think this is an area where we are particularly well placed to um, that we're particularly well placed to enjoy because I think as as each generation um, of of technology um, comes along, uh, processing power increases, graphics power increases, which are you know in the abstract absolutely meaningless, but to the extent that they empower the art of storytelling, they empower the ability to portray character, to portray emotion, to portray personality. Particularly, the high-end gaming experiences are going to become more and more lifelike. Um, they're, they're going to become richer, uh, more emotionally engaging, uh, and I think that. Um, will lead to a, an, an increasing convergence with other forms of entertainment, particularly, uh, particularly cinema. And I, and I think that uh, will accelerate this process of ubiquity. Mm. I guess the pandemic also ex accelerated things a little bit, didn't it, as well? It, it certainly did, yeah. yes. Um, we, we, um, we, we've spoken about Play at Home, which was very uh, instrumental in uh, helping secure the engagement of the community. But you, you know, every gaming company, by and large, experienced considerable interest in the games that they were making. And some of that will persist. Um, and uh, we welcome it. And we're, we're happy to try and give yeah. these people as many games to play as we possibly can. It's nice as well that games isn't quite, you know, it's still, there's still people that don't trust it, the older perhaps generations that aren't so used to it. So it's nice to see it sort of become accepted a bit, I feel. That's what I feel has happened. I'm wary of taking probably way too much of your time. So I'm going to ask one final question. You kind of may have answered it just a moment ago, which is that with all the things that are sort of happening uh, with PS5 and well, actually, no, just generally about the future of video games, what do you hope will happen in the, in the, in the future? What is your hopes for the future? I hope, I hope the PlayStation 5, and I really believe the PlayStation 5 will be 
Sony's biggest and best and most loved PlayStation yet. Um, I, I, I hope that will happen. Um, I'd also like to see a world where the games that we make at PlayStation can be enjoyed by many, many tens of millions of people, perhaps hundreds of millions of people. Because mm-hmm. um, right now, success uh, with the existing console model, a really great PlayStation hit. Um, you're talking 10 or 20 million yeah. um, people able to play that game. And if you, if you compare that, and we're, 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 you know, we're talking about games stacking up against music. We're talking about games stacking up against movies. Music and movies, uh, they can be enjoyed by almost limitless audiences. Um, and and I, I think some of the art that our studios are making is, is some of the finest entertainment that's been made anywhere in the world. And to, to kind of gate the audience um, for the wonderful art, the wonderful entertainment these studios are making, to gate the audience for that at 20 or 30 million frustrates me. And I, I, I'd, love, um, I'd love to see a world where hundreds of millions of people can enjoy those games. Well, I would too, um, uh, understand why we, we do what we do, I guess. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Um, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you, as it always is. Um, and um, thank you, everyone who's watching. Um, that's it for GI Live today. We'll be back tomorrow with um, uh, Warner Music, who are going to be talking to us about, oddly, the convergence of music in the games industry. Um, uh, but yeah, until then, um, have a good one. <laughs>